This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. My name is Dustin Smith, and as always, I will be your host. This is episode 295, entitled The Johannine Jesus' Use of I Am He, Part 1. Yes, we're continuing through this ongoing series that is looking at the important self-declaration, I Am He, which in Hebrew is Anihu, and in Greek it is Egoimi. And we've been studying how this phrase was used in Judaism, within the Old Testament, within the post-biblical times of Judaism, and we've also been working through the New Testament text. Now, after examining all of the Old Testament references, as well as several within the Jewish rabbinic text, we noted a very consistent pattern. What we noticed is that when Yahweh, the only true God, the God of Israel, when he said, I am he, which in Hebrew is Anihu, he was making a declaration about his oneness of person and his unrivaled position as the only true God. However, Yahweh was not the only person who was able to say the phrase, I am he. We also noticed that human beings would casually say, I am he, using the very same Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek phrase. And when the human beings would make this claim, they are actually making a casual self-reference, indicating in the process to whomever they are talking that I am the person in context. It is me. It is I. I am the guy you're talking about. So in other words, when human beings would say, I am he, they were not claiming to be Yahweh the only true God. These human beings were never accused of claiming to encroach upon the identity of God. They were never accused of blasphemy. It was just understood that they were just saying, hey, it is I, I'm the person you're talking about in our conversation. Now, over the last three weeks, we've examined every occurrence of the phrase, I am he, in our three earliest gospels, in Mark, Matthew, and Luke. And we noted in these three Gospels that Jesus also, when he said, I am he, he was making either a casual self-declaration, it is I, I am the guy, or he is saying an affirmative, yes, it is me, to the question, are you the Messiah? In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, when Jesus says, ego in me, he is not claiming to be Yahweh, the only true God. So this week's episode, we're going to finally turn to the Gospel according to John, otherwise known as the Fourth Gospel. Now, the Fourth Gospel portrays Jesus as saying, I am he, which in Greek is egoimi, several times, more times than Matthew, Mark, and Luke combined. Now, when Jesus is going to say egoimi, it will be used as a standalone declaration and will also be used as an introduction to a title, like, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. Furthermore, there are other people in the Gospel of John 
who say the Greek phrase egoimi. So it's not just Jesus making this claim. There are others that are also uttering the very same phrase. So what does the Greek phrase egoimi mean when it's spoken by Jesus and others within the Gospel of John? Well, let's find out on this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Our first point today is looking at God and Jesus according to the Gospel of John. So we've already demonstrated that when God says, I am he, he is making a claim to his oneness of person and his position as the unrivaled only true God. But when human beings say, I am he, they're making a casual self-declaration or they're just trying to refer to themselves in the conversation. We need to understand if God and Jesus are collapsed into the same being in the Gospel of John or if God and Jesus are regularly distinguished in the Gospel of John. In other words, before we begin to look at the occurrences of Jesus saying, egoimi, we need to know whether the obvious way of understanding Jesus is whether he is someone distinguished from God or whether he effectively is the same as the God of Israel. So let's begin by looking at 10 passages Taken at random, we'll just start in John chapter 1. So in John 1.29, we have the Baptist coming up and making a pronouncement of Jesus. On the next day, the Baptist saw Jesus coming to him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's John chapter 1, verse 29. Here Jesus is described authoritatively by a prophet who is sent from God, as the Lamb of God. He is God's Lamb. He is the Lamb that belongs to the one true God. This seems to distinguish Jesus from God. In chapter 3, when Jesus has a conversation with Nicodemus, we can see an interesting discussion there. So in chapter 3, verse 1, it says that there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. That's John chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. So Nicodemus rightly points out that Jesus is a teacher. He is someone that has been commissioned from God and that God is with Jesus. In all of these descriptions, Nicodemus correctly distinguishes Jesus from God, because God sent Jesus. God is with Jesus. It's not understood, at least by Nicodemus, that Jesus and God are one and the same. In chapter 6, verse 27, we can see Jesus saying, Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him the Father, God, has set his seal. That's John 6, verse 27. So Jesus is describing himself. He describes himself as the Son of Man, and he indicates that God has set his seal on the Son of Man. And oh, by the way, he defines God as the Father alone. So Jesus is distinguishing himself from God. However, he also indicates that the Father has empowered the Son of Man, God has authorized 
the Son of Man. The Son of Man comes in the name of the Father. So they're distinguished, but there's some sort of relationship between the two of them in the sense that the Son of Man is the authorized agent of God. Later in that chapter, in verse 69, we read, We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. That's John 6, verse 69. And in the Greek, it's a little clearer. Jesus is described here as the Holy One of the God. So Jesus is God's Holy One, the Holy One that belongs to the God. And this title, of course, distinguishes Jesus from God quite clearly. In chapter 7, verse 17, it says that if anyone is willing to do his will, that is the will of God, he will know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I, Jesus, speak from myself. That's chapter 7, verse 17. And this is interesting. Jesus is indicating that the teaching that he is bringing he says that if anyone is willing to do the will of God, that person will know whether the teaching that I am saying here is from God or whether I'm speaking from myself. And so the options that Jesus gives are, is this teaching from God or whether it's from me, Jesus? And since those are clearly two options, Jesus himself is clearly distinguishing himself from God. In chapter 8, verse 40, we have a very powerful saying of Jesus when he's talking to his opponents. He says in chapter 8, verse 40, But as it is, you are seeking to kill me, a human being, who has told you the truth which I heard from God. That's John chapter 8, verse 40. So Jesus clearly distinguishes himself from God. He said he, he heard this truth from the God, and he indicates that he himself is a man a human being, a member of the human race. And God, of course, is not a human being. So that much is quite clear. Now, in chapter 9, verse 33, which is the controversy involving Jesus healing a man who is born blind, we can see that those that are discussing the particular event and the significance of Jesus have this to say. They say that if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. John chapter 9, verse 33. So in describing Jesus and trying to discern whether he was legitimately sent and authorized as God's agent, they, of course, call him a man. They call him a human being. And they discuss if he is not really from God, he could not actually perform this miracle. But, of course, Jesus did perform the miracle. And in this discussion... It's self-evident that Jesus is distinguished from God because he's the man who is from God. God, of course, is the one who has sent Jesus as God's agent. And Jesus functions as that agent precisely as a human being, as a member of the human race. But clearly they're distinguished. In chapter 11, verse 22, we have the discussion with Mary Martha, and of course, dealing with the death of their brother Lazarus. And it said of Jesus, Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. That's John 11, verse 22. The understanding here is that Jesus is clearly distinguished from God. If Jesus was to ask and pray to God, 
asking for something, God would give it to Jesus. It's self-evident that the two are distinguished and two separate beings. And of course, in John 17, verse 3, we have the declaration of what eternal life looks like in the present. This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. John 17, verse 3. So we have the one person, the person to whom Jesus is praying, which is the Father. He is said to be the only true God, and Jesus distinguishes himself from the only true God as the one whom the only true God has sent, authorized, and commissioned. So Jesus himself distinguishes himself from God, and in doing so, he describes God as the only true God. Jesus is not in that category of the only true God. He's the one whom the only true God has sent. So the natural, simple, plain, self-evident reading of the Gospel of John is that God and Jesus are regularly distinguished. They are two separate persons. They're two separate beings. God is the one that sends Jesus. You can't reverse those. Jesus is not the one that sends God. And it's also important to indicate that in the Gospel of John, the God who sends Jesus is effectively the Father who sends the Son. The God who sends Jesus is the Father who sends the Son. So having now demonstrated that Jesus is regularly distinguished from God, we can now turn to look at the occurrences of the phrase egoimi, the phrase I am he. Now what's interesting as we move into our second point, point number two, which is John's use of the self-declaration I am he, is that the first person to use the phrase is not actually Jesus. It's actually John the Baptist. If you read through the Greek, you can actually see how this works. So I think what the narrator is actually doing for us, and this is going to become clear as we look at the evidence, is that it's setting us up for what this phrase is supposed to mean in its most technical sense. So in John chapter 1, verse 19, we have kind of the introduction of the narrative of the Gospel of John. And it says, this is the testimony of John, this is the Baptist, when the Jews sent to him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. That's John chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. So they're asking the Baptist who he is, and he confessed, does not deny, but confessed, for obvious emphasis, that he is not the Christ. He is not the Messiah. But in Greek we have the phrase ego imi there with the negation uk. He says, oti ego uk imi o Christos. He said that I am not the Christ. So we have the ego imi there associated with Christ, but then it's negated, indicating that I am not the Messiah. And so the very first occurrence of ego imi, the phrase I am he, is linked with the identity of the Christ, which is a designation that John the Baptist significantly rebukes. He is not the Christ, because Jesus is the Christ. And this gets repeated later in chapter 3, verse 28, where the Baptist says, You yourselves are my witnesses that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent ahead 
of him. That's John 3, verse 28. So again, we have the egoimi connected with the Christ and John using the particle of negation, ouk. So in Greek, it's ouk egoimi o Christos. I am not the Christ. So the egoimi there is clearly defined as I am he, namely I am the Christ. And that is, of course, an assertion that he is not claiming for himself. He is explicitly denying this particular point. And of course, it makes us ask the question, well, who is the Christ? Who is the Messiah? And who is the one that would be designated with this phrase, I am he? I am the one that we're talking about in the context. So the very first occurrence of Jesus making this claim and actually saying the phrase, egoimi, within the Gospel of John, is in this discussion with the Samaritan woman. This happens in John chapter 4. So let me read a bit of this context, and I want to read a little bit ahead, and I want to read the actions that are taking place after Jesus makes the declaration, ego me. So in chapter 4, verse 25, we can begin reading, and it says, The Samaritan woman said to Jesus, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he who is speaking to you. At this point, his disciples came. They were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot, went into the city and said to the men, come see a human being who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? That's John 4, verses 25 through 29. There's a lot of interesting parts of this story. So the Samaritan woman announces that she is aware that the Messiah is actually coming, and when that one comes, he's going to function as a revealing figure. He's going to be a revelatory figure who will declare all things to us. Now, in this, the narrator jumps in and clarifies that she is talking about the Christ. The narrator jumps in, and it's put in parentheses here, that he who is called Christ. That's not actually what the Samaritan woman is saying. That's what the narrator is jumping in and placing there so that you can understand what the term actually means. So she's talking about the Messiah. The narrator makes sure that you are clear that we are referring to the Christ. And Jesus answers by indicating that he is the person that she is talking about. His answer to her is in Greek, egoimi o lalon si. I am he, the one who is speaking to you. So she said, I know that Messiah is coming. The narrator clarifies this as referring to the Christ. Jesus says, I am the guy. I am he. I am that person you're talking about. I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. Okay? Now, let's just suggest for a moment, let's play devil's advocate. What if Jesus was actually claiming to be something more than the Messiah? He's not the person who actually is anointed as the Messiah, the Christ, but he's actually the I am he, as in Yahweh, the only true God, the one who actually does the anointing. Is that really what Jesus is saying here? Well, how did she understand what he was saying? 
So when she goes off to her city, what she says to the men of the city indicates how she understood what Jesus had said. And what she said is very revealing. She said, come, see a human being, see a man in Greek, an anthropos, a human being who told me, who revealed all these things, who is the definitive revealer that we were expecting. And she says, this is not the Christ, is it? So her understanding is that this is a, a man, a human being, and she's asking, is the, this the Christ that we have all been expecting? She didn't think that this is the only true God, Yahweh, the God of Israel. That's not how she understood the phrase. She understood Jesus as saying, I am he, as a way to identify himself as the person that she is clearly talking about in the context. She is talking about the Messiah. The narrator jumps in and clarifies that that means the Christ. Jesus says, yep, that's me. I am the one. I am he. I am that guy right there, the one who is speaking to you right now. And Jesus lays his cards on the table at that point. So I don't think that even if we want to suggest that maybe Jesus is claiming to be Yahweh, that's not how she understood the story. And it's quite clear that she is someone who is a person of faith and someone who has an accurate understanding of what Jesus is saying. And she is the one that actually, through her testimony, brings salvation to this particular city because of having recognized Jesus even prior to the resurrection as the Christ, the Messiah. So I think that the very first time that Jesus uses the phrase egoimi, it's in a way that answers the question regarding who is the Messiah, who is the Christ, the one who is coming to declare all things. And Jesus says, yep, that one is me. I am he. I am the Christ, I am the Messiah. So John the Baptist is not the Christ, Jesus is the Christ. And in order to indicate that the phrase ego in me is used, I am he, namely I am the one that is expected as the Christ. The next time that Jesus uses this phrase is in John chapter 6. Now John chapter 6 is really undervalued and underappreciated for its Christological significance in the Gospel of John. I would encourage my readers to really think heavily about the significance of what is actually said throughout John chapter 6. There are quite a few things that are said there, but for our purposes we want to look at one particular story, which is something that was appearing in our earliest Gospels, which is Jesus walking on the water and identifying himself to his disciples. So John also picks up this story. So in chapter 6, verse 15, just to kind of give us a little bit of context, it says that Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, and after getting into a boat, they started to cross the sea to Capernaum. It had already become dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea began to be stirred up because of a strong wind that was blowing. Then, when they rode out three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near to the boat. And they were frightened. But he said to them, I am he. Do not be afraid. So they were willing to receive him onto the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. That's John 
chapter 6, verses 15 through 21. So Jesus was just doing a miracle earlier in the day. In fact, Jesus was multiplying the food, and Jesus sees that people start to recognize him as someone significant, perhaps with messianic claims, and they want to make him king by force, and Jesus departs. On that very same day, in the evening, the disciples get out of boat, and they get out to sea on their way to Capernaum. Jesus approaches them, walking on the water, which is something that an empowered human being could certainly do. And he identifies himself to the disciples. He says, it is I. And in Greek, the phrase is egoimi. I am he. Don't be afraid. Now again, let's play devil's advocate. Let's suggest that the disciples really did understand Jesus with making this claim as claiming to be Yahweh, the only true God. But how did they respond? What we actually see is that they just receive him onto the boat. They don't say anything. They don't fall down and worship him. They don't think we need to make some sacrifices. They don't hide their faces because of the holiness of God. They don't make any sort of claim at all. They don't say a word about it. There's no indication either in their speech, in their actions, or in any sort of acts of prostration or worship that the disciples even hinted at the fact that Jesus is suggesting that he is Yahweh, the only true God. It seems that Jesus is making yet another casual self-declaration. I am he. It's me, guys. You know, the person that was just with you earlier in the day that was doing some miracles. It's me. I'm Jesus. I think that's what egoimi means here, and I think it's translated correctly. It is I. I am he. Jesus not making a claim to be Yahweh, the only true God here. At least there's nothing in the context that would indicate or even hint at that sort of suggestion. So in conclusion, we've observed that the Gospel of John regularly distinguishes God and Jesus. The Gospel never collapses the two into a single being. God sends Jesus, not the other way around. Furthermore, the identities of God and Jesus are repeatedly emphasized as the Father and the Son. The Father just as God, and the Son just is Jesus. Second, we notice that the first person to use the phrase egoimi, I am he in the Gospel of John, is John the Baptist. But when the Baptist uses this phrase, it means I am the Messiah, which is a claim that the Baptist repeatedly denies in regard to his own identity. We also observe that the first time Jesus uses the phrase, I am he, the Greek phrase egoimi, is when he is answering the Samaritan woman who is talking about the Messiah. Now the narrator even steps in to clarify that this designation is in reference to the Christ, the one who is anointed. So is Jesus the Christ, the Messiah? The answer is in the affirmative. Jesus says, I am he, egoimi, it is I. I am the Christ, the Messiah, the person you are clearly talking about in the context. And the second time that Jesus used the phrase, I am he, is in a casual self-designation. After spending the entire day feeding the multitudes, he approaches the disciples while walking on the water. In order to indicate 
who this mysterious person was who is approaching the disciples, he says, I am he. Now, the way the which the disciples respond indicates that they understood it to be a casual self-reference, not a claim to identify as Yahweh, the God of Israel, who, by the way, is a figure that is regularly distinguished from Jesus in the Gospel of John over and over again. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Join us next week as we continue to work through the occurrences of the phrase, I am he, in the Gospel of John, in our attempts to understand what the phrase means on the mouth of Jesus. Please look forward to our next episode. If you enjoy our podcast, please consider supporting us as we aim to promote the sound truths of the oneness and unity of God and the humanity of Jesus. You can support us absolutely for free by subscribing on YouTube or iTunes, by giving us an honest review on iTunes, and by sharing your favorite episodes with your friends. If you'd like to offer a donation, please check out the episode description for a PayPal link. The Biblical Unitarian Podcast is produced and edited by Dustin Williams. I am Dustin Smith, your host. Until next time, please take care.